evening, everyone. Welcome to Principles for Life with Refuge Church. Uh, we, tip, we always do Principles for Life on Wednesday night at 7 p.m., uh, but uh, right now it's strictly online as most churches are. And if you are a young person, a child that is ages 11 or under, everyone listen up right now. Any child that is 11 or under, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Listen, I have some exciting news for you right now. Sunday morning, our normal service, it's at 10 o'clock, but 30 minutes before our normal service at 9.30 in the morning, from 9.30 to 9.55, we are having a Zoom video chat for all Sunday school students. Here's the way this is going to work. We are going to be sending out a link that will get you the link to the chat. You will click into that link. The, the moderator, our children's ministry director, Sister Tiffany Condren, will approve the people so that we don't have any unknown people stepping into the chat room. And all of our Sunday school teachers and students are going to be in one place, have a short little discussion, interaction, and then we have the ability to, to form breakout rooms. So each Sunday school teacher is going to be sent. You don't have to worry. The teachers aren't going to take care of this. Tiffany's taking care of all of this. As a parent, you just have to click your child, the link to get your child into the discussion, and then our children's ministry director is going to put all of the students in with their various teachers, just as if they would be downstairs here at our church having Sunday school. And they're going to have chats, and, and our, our teachers are very much missing their kids and the kids, I'm sure, are missing their friends and their teachers. So make sure that you get your kids up. Don't put them in their PJs. Come on, get them dressed. And they're going to go there and be there at 930. And it's going to be a great time for the kids, for our Sunday school teachers. Uh, if you have multiple children, it helps if you have a couple of different devices. Uh, if it's a, if a mobile phone, a laptop, whatever. So each kid, if they're in different classrooms... They can go, if, if not, it's fine. They can go to the same class. We'll make it work. But you can have different classrooms where your kids uh, can use a different mobile device to be in their age group. Again, I'm so excited. Our teachers are excited. And I'm sure you as kids are going to look forward to seeing your friends Sunday morning at 930. Uh, uh, with that announcement, I will say that if, uh, if, you're, if you're able to, um, we still want to encourage you to be faithful in your giving. We have various options for online giving. I'm thankful to each and every Refuge member. You have all been so faithful, even in our time not gathering in person. And so thank you for that. And I know God's blessing will be upon you for that. Well, last Wednesday night, I spoke a message entitled, Making Home a Safe Place. Now, in that message, it was predominantly geared at uh, parents and guardians of children. Now, uh, what, what about those, though, that don't have children living at home with them? What about single adults? What about those unable to have children? I know that when I speak a message like I did last week, sometimes that kind of, kind of makes you feel a little cut out of the, out of the message, and, and I apologize for that. But tonight, I, I want to take a completely different approach to family than I did last week. So even if you don't have family living with you, please stick around because... This message is definitely going to be for you tonight. I want to speak for just a little bit about bloodline that determines family. 
bloodline that determines family. Would you pray with me? Jesus, Father, thank you so much for technology that allows us to have this meeting and, and still get into your word here a little bit as a unified body. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would bless every church refuge member and that you would also bless every guest who does not consider refuge their home or maybe they're just tuning in from around the country or the world. Lord, let there be a special blessing upon every man, woman, and child that is watching this right now. God, I just pray that your word would go forth and accomplish that which you desire it to accomplish. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we say the word family, many of us think about what I talked about last Wednesday, and that is a, a nuclear unit that consists of father, mother, and children. Kind of like, you know, we imagine maybe the leave it to beaver uh, viewpoint that even as, as little as 60, 70 years ago, children were raised in homes that mostly contained two biological parents who often had the support of other extended family members. These extended family members sometimes would even live under the same roof together or maybe at a nearby home. Many of the people from my parents' generation even grew up in a society where you often stayed right in the same city as the rest of your family or you were close to it. Family just didn't move from family. You just kind of all stayed together. These family members would come over to one another's houses for meals and gatherings and celebrate special occasions together. And in that day, the meals were usually made by the mother of the host home or family. Back in that day, there were no malls. Now, if you imagine, look at the picture on your screen right now in the mid 20th century with the rise of suburban America and the automobile cult culture of the United States, a, a new style of shopping center was created away from downtown in suburban America. The 1980s saw an unparalleled period of growth in shopping center industry with more than 16,000 centers built between 1980 in 1990. I was born in 1980, so I got to grow up in that mall culture. Uh, more than 16,000 centers built between 1980 and 90, and that was a period when super regional malls, meaning malls of more than 800,000 square feet, became increasingly popular with shoppers. But now, how many of you are still going to the mall on a regular basis? How many of you are still saying, you know what? I need to run to the mall and pick up clothes or shoes or something for my hair, whatever that is. Now the majority of malls are closed or closing. Why? Because of online shopping where you can search for exactly what you need. You no longer walk into a store and say, oh, do you have this in a size large? Do you have this in a size medium? And they say, uh, nope, whatever's out on the rack, that's what we have. Now you can search across the entire world and find exactly the color and style and size of what you want. Many places offer uh, free online shipping and, and e easy returns, and, and it comes on Amazon or whatever within two days, or if you have Prime, it might be there the next day. And so we see how times have changed. Look at the, the computer even. There, there were no computers back in that day. The first personal computer were, was introduced in 1975, and they came as kits. There weren't video games. The, the, look, how about cell phones or texting? The world's first cell phone came about in 1983. That's in my lifetime. I can't even 
fathom that. I remember my dad getting a cell phone and having it in a, in a zip-up case, and, and it would be mounted in the car, and you could take it off, and, and it had a cord, and you could, it, 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 was, it was crazy, but, but that happened in my day. The first cell phone wasn't exactly something you could carry in your pocket, maybe like this anymore. The, the first cell phone, it was about the size of a brick, and it weighed two and a half pounds. Your calls had to be short because guess what? When you're holding a brick that is two and a half pounds, eventually it's like doing weights or something, right? Two and a half pounds of your hand held up to your ear like this. You got you to gotta say, you know what? I need to get going. We'll have to talk about this later. That's a good Good idea for me as my kids get older. My daughter's already asking for a cell phone. I should see if they still have a brick available that's two and a half pounds. That might be a good idea. But the first text message. Anyone have a guess? First text message. Don't cheat and look it up. Anyone have a guess? Put it in the comments right now. What was the first date of the, the year of the first text message that was ever sent? I'll give you a second to guess. What year was the first text message sent? It was 1992, the first text message was sent. Back then, there wasn't even Google earlier. I'm talking about 67 years. There wasn't Google until when? 1998. And let me tell you, young people that are using Google for school or whatever, Google did not start out like it is now. When I went to college, I can't believe it. I, I, I promised myself I would never tell these stories about when in my day, when I was young, like, oh, I hate it, but it just happens. You can't do anything about it. But when I went to college, there were search engines, and it wasn't just Google. It was Alta Vista, Ask Jeeves, Yahoo, Google. Now, Google has somehow monopolized the search engine because of whatever. I don't know. They've just done it better. And so now you just say, hey, Google it. Well, back then, there wasn't Google. Google was just one of many search engines, and you had to choose your search engine, and then you had to use, like, Boolean operators. So you would say, oh, I want to learn about church pews, but, but I'm just looking for the color of pews, not the material. I'm not looking to buy pews. So you would say, church pews, not buying uh, X uh, and or color, not material. And you would have to put these things, and then you'd still get something to pop up. And when you get it to pop up, it still wouldn't even be what you're looking for half the time. And then I couldn't even use it for uh, college papers because you needed reputable sources. Well, half the time the stuff that popped up was just somebody that wrote on a page on their, on their uh, personal private computer. So uh, there wasn't Google until 98, and even then it was still evolving and is still evolving. What many people did always have, though, in that day was that they had the love and support of one another. They didn't have Google. They didn't have malls. They didn't have text messaging, but they did have one another. They did have family, and this type of love that occurs in the context of family, it's really like no other, and if you have grown up in a home where there was not that love, I, I'm sorry to hear that because, uh, because really it is one of the most beautiful things that one human being could ever experience, and that's the love of a family member or, a, or an extended family. When, when a family is healthy and at its best, it gives life deeper meaning. Family is who you turn to when something good or bad happens. 
You eat together, play together, worship together, and sometimes even cry together. You often go to church together. This extraordinary arrangement, though, was designed by God when he created marriage. And we read about that in Genesis 2. It says, the Lord's God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God, he formed the ground and all the wild animals, birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, birds of the sky, wild animals. But there was still no helper right for him. And so the Lord God caused the man to fall in a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took one of the man's ribs and closed out the opening. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. And he brought her to the man, and at last the man exclaimed, This one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united in one. It was never good for human beings to live alone. We are people who were created for relationship. And I know you might be an introvert, but it still doesn't matter. Even introverts I'm talking to recently are saying, hey, this social distancing stuff is even getting too much for me. And uh, in, in some of you, if you're shaking your head, no, just give it time. You, you, be able, you, you can say, well, no, I'm alone, but you're still, you interact. Imagine Adam, he was literally by himself with animals. And I know some of you are saying, well, give me my dog and I'll be all right. But you won't. Eventually, you will want human interaction. Relationship with God and relationship with others, too. But here's the thing. Let's face it. Family as we know it has changed. Certainly, some would argue that the change has not been good. We could argue that some of the change even has been against the will of God. But we must at least acknowledge the change. If we close our eyes and just continue to talk about the good old days, I wish I could go back. And we used to have this in the good old days. I want to go back to the good old days. And, and all we do is berate families for the changes in their lives and in society. Then we will lose all effectiveness as a church. The dynamics of the tra traditional family unit have changed in many parts of the world. Look at the modern view of family we, we work with, go to church with, and shop next to these people. For some of you, this is your family. Today, families come in all shapes and sizes. There's divorce and blended families, sharing custody of children, trying to instill godly values when you share your child with someone who does not cling to the same values that you do. And so you're doing your very best to try and instill something in a child when someone else, you're hearing stories about what they're experiencing somewhere else, and you're going, oh, we don't do that, and I don't want to do that, and you're, you're trying to, to figure that out. And then there's remarriage and children born into single-parent homes. What was once a traditional family has turned into the exception and not the norm. Again, I want to clarify, by me acknowledging all of these different things. I'm not putting my stamp of approval, so to speak, on every single uh, family outlook. What I'm saying is, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even saying that. I, I still believe that when we get married, it is one man and one woman who commit to stay together for life. 
I am just simply acknowledging the new reality. So I don't want you to misunderstand that in me acknowledging this new reality that somehow I'm saying, oh, it's all fine. I'm not. But what I am saying is that we must at least acknowledge that this is what our world is going through. Even some of you watching, this is your reality. And so um, another significant change is the role that extended family members once played. Aunts, uncles, grandparents, oftentimes they don't live near one another anymore. Some of you are experiencing this now. I remember when I first moved with my family, we moved from uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin area to Liberty, Missouri area. If you're watching, you're not sure where that is. We're just outside Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, and so I remember when we moved and you see a picture there. That's that's what we look like. And and uh, I, I think I still look the same. I maybe put on a few pounds and now, uh, as my four-year-old literally just pointed out today, before I shaved, he said, you have whiskers. And I said, yeah. And he goes, you have gray whiskers. And I said, what does that mean? He said, that you're getting old. So my four-year-old is breaking it down for me. He always loves when I give him a shout-out. So Titus is watching. There's your, there's your shout-out, Titus. I'll, I'll look forward to hearing about it when you laugh with me when I get home here soon. But my wife and I, when we first moved to Liberty, Missouri, we had a seven-month-old daughter, Kiera, and, she, and we would come here into this church, and there was a big grand piano here, and, and, and we're trying to get things up and running, and, and my, my daughter, my, she would come and my wife would carry my daughter in with a, in a car seat, and she would have her on the grand piano next to her, and she'd be trying to play and get music going, and we started very small, a very small amount of people, and, and many of them are still here, and I'm grateful for them, but we would ask one of the praise singers if they could hold Kiera while she was crying. And Kiera, she was not always, was not always easy sometimes. She just had to be bounced, and, 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 and she would be crying and screaming, and I'd be out trying to do something. Then I'd have to come and take her. Jackie, my wife, would have to stop the music practice. And, and it was challenging, and we would pass her back and forth as we tried to do ministry, but yet still make sure that our family was the number one thing in our life other than uh, God family ministry. And so it was not un until a couple of years later that some of our extended family moved here. And then Nana and Papa were here and Grandma came. And now we have aunts and uncles. And, and we're just, uh, you know, we're still recruiting family from all over the country. We'll take all of them because we love family. And so today our, our, we, we look at this and a lot of people don't have that though. And it's a challenge because you're trying to make it through the, your life and, and, and navigate these waters and and you don't have extended family that assists you. Even neighbors, our neighbors are essentially strangers. And healthy personal interactions are at an all-time low because of technology. Now, uh, and that was even before the stay-at-home order. But of course, now we're aiming to utilize technology to strengthen relationships. We have Zoom, small groups, online uh, Sunday school classes for children. Our services right now, if we don't have technology, we don't have this. But there are new uh, friend requests on social media that I'm getting now that I'm like, that person told me they would never be on social media. But when you long for that interaction, all of a sudden now I'm getting friend requests from people that they swore they would never be on social media. So this isolation, it's, it's having an effect on people because we want that interaction. And many of these changes, though, they've impacted our sense of identity, belonging, and shared values. The result for many in isolation, and that isolation took place before the government ever mandated it, 
And so, so now rather than children looking to uncle and auntie and, and grandma and grandpa now as role models, they're now looking at Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook for role models. And yet without question, we were all created to be relational beings. Our family interaction is so important that God even takes a portion of Scripture to talk about it when he inspired Paul to write these words to a young man named Timothy. In 1 Timothy 5, 1, it says, Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully, just as you would your own father. Well, now that my son's saying I'm an older man with a white whiskers, I'm going to have to remind him that he should always speak respectfully to me. Talk to younger men as you would your own brothers. I'm assuming that means the brothers that have a good relationship. Treat older women as you would your mother and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. Take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. If she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repair their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. Now, a true widow, a woman who is truly alone in this world, has placed her hope in God. She prays night and day, asking God for his help. But the widow who lives only for pleasure is spiritually dead, and even while she lives. Give these instructions to the church, the whole church, right, so that no one will be open to criticism. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied a true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. Wow. So caring for our family needs to come before caring for anything else in the world other than our relationship with God. He really makes it clear that God is inspiring Paul to put emphasis on family. Our extended family, that's aunts, uncles, widows, parents, whoever, our extended family is a blessing from God. So if you have not called and checked on an elder recently, you have family that you haven't spoken to in quite some time, it sure is a good night after this message is done to maybe make a phone call, just reconnect. But here's the thing that is beautiful. If you're sitting here saying, my family has passed, I don't really, I'm not connected to people. Throughout scripture, God never intended family to only consist of individuals who are genetically related. Throughout scripture, Family was never just, it's included as we just read, but it was never just those who were genetically related. Family includes the compilation of individuals who gather as groups of people who are bound by the following things, love, understanding, and covenant. It is in this healthy, loving, supportive environment that both adults and children can grow to trust both God and one another. That is what we were born into. Do I have concerns about some of the current trends in society when it comes to family? Of course I do. But I stand on this fact offered by David in Psalms when Psalm 33, 11 says, but the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. What joy for the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people has chosen as his inheritance. He has chosen as his inheritance. The Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race. Go ahead, say, that's me. That's me. That's me. From his throne, he observes all who live on earth. He made their hearts so he understands everything they do. God, 
observes every single human being on this earth. He sees you in your current situation. If you are alone by yourself tonight, if you have crazy kids running all over the place and you've been trying to get them to pay attention to me talking for the last 20 minutes and you're like, Lord, how long is this going to go? It, no matter what you are, what you're going through, what your situation is, he sees you. And every person has struggles. You think because you're alone, you're the only person that struggles with this. You think because you have young kids that are rambunctious, you're the only person that struggles with that. Oh, you have physical ailments, you're the only person. No, there's, there are people that we all have various struggles. Your struggle might not look like my struggle, but we all go through through things, both emotional, physical, relational, that are challenges, and it's, and it's difficult, but here's the thing that God says. He says, I see every human being on this earth. He sees you in your loneliness and your anxiety and your frustration, your fears. He sees you longing to, get to connect with someone, feeling rejected at times. He sees all of it, and he knows where you are. And it's the church of God who's trying to minister in love to serve and reach a lost and dying world. I don't want to see us just complain about how times have changed. Oh, yeah, bless God. When I grew up, and, if it was, and you know what? This is sinful. You see society the way it is now. I don't want to just wish that everything was how it was when I grew up. I want to look at some of the voids in American homes, yes, there are absolutely voids in American homes. That's not even just Christian t statistics. Secular statistics in research, it shows this. I want to look at some of the voids in American homes and realize this, that the church has an amazing opportunity to go out and to be the church. We have an amazing, the church is needed today more than ever before. And if you're watching, you don't have a church. I'm telling you with all love, it's not just as a pastor, it's not just being harsh. You need a church. You have got to get connected to a body of believers, to a church. If you're not in the Liberty area, I would love for you to come to this church. If you're not, though, if you're not in the Liberty area, then find a church. If you need, send us a, an, an, an email or an inbox message. I will do whatever I can to get, get you connected. I know several pastors I've been blessed to, to get to know across the country, and I will help you find a church. Why? Because the church is needed. It's needed in your life, and we need to be the church. Right now, we are not just needed to tell people what's right and wrong. But we are, needed, uh, we are not needed solely to, to give people God's plan for salvation. Yes, that's crucial. Again, don't, don't, don't mix my words up. We desperately are needed to, to let people know what God's plan is for their life, his plan for their salvation. But if all we think that we're called to do is just tell someone, well, Acts 2.38 says you should repent, be baptized, filled with the Spirit, and you need to do it. God bless you. Have a good day. We're missing something. We are called. You, you look, if marriage is a type and shadow of the church, marriage, when God created marriage, he says, Adam, here's your bride. And he says, I, I, he did that. His first miracle was at a wedding. Marriage is absolutely something created by God. His blessing is upon it. But if marriage is a type and shadow of the church and the church's only job was just to reduce, reproduce new believers, if that was the case, then Adam and Eve would have come together to bear children, and then they would have departed from one another. That's it. They would have literally come together for the physical intimacy, and they would have borne children, and that would have been it. But no, instead, they were called to become one flesh and to never break apart. 
that this, that's often preached at weddings. But what about the context of the church as the bride? Romans 12, 4 says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. When we are born into this faith, we are the bride of Christ. And we together are many parts that make up one bride, one bride that should never, what God put together, let no man put asunder, that we should remain together. There's a lot of brokenness and void in American homes right now. And we are not called only to reproduce new believers. That's not the only thing. We are called to love nurture and foster relationship. People in our society today more than ever before are longing for meaningful connection. Family, the family as we know it, husband, wife, children, that should not be the only family that someone has an option to be connected to. If you're divorced, well, there's no place for you in the church. Oh, if you're, you're widow, oh, there's no place for you in the church. Oh, if you've never been married and you're single, oh, there's no place. That's crazy. That should never be the case. Someone's option to be a part of a family should never just be based on, well, are my, my mom and dad still together? Do we still live in the house? Uh, did my marriage work out? That shouldn't, that shouldn't be the case. There should be a family of God that welcomes every person. Even if you say, well, hey, that was sin. It doesn't, it doesn't matter for us to call that out. That's something that God will reveal that to that person. In time, there can be a beautiful time of repentance and God coming into someone's life and, and changing their life and improving their life. But for the church, we've got to look at every family, every situation. There's no doubt that there's people, when I start saying about the family of God and God is our father, you've, you might have grown up in a family where, you know what? Your father beat you. Your father wasn't there. Your father, God forbid, molested you. you I mean, the you can't, you can't just say, somebody might say, well, I don't want nothing to do with the Father. I'm not interested in that. I don't want to be a part of that. And you know what? My family wasn't there for me. My family, you know what? They did things to me that I, I, I can't stand them. Well, you know what? There's a time of forgiveness, and God's going to work with you on that. But this, when, when Scripture talks about God as our Father and God as our, and our church as our family and the bride of Christ, this is, this is something that that when a family is working at its finest, when God is the father who never fails, who's always faithful, who always loves. And so even if you haven't grown up in a family that was, was healthy and solid and strong, there's a place for you in the church. It's not just limited to the, to the healthy family. The church should be that healthy family even when someone doesn't have a family, a physical family. And so... Ephesians 2.19 says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. Gentiles, just a non-Jew. You are citizens along with God's holy people. You're members of God's family. Together, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of his dwelling where God lives by his spirit. 
These were non-Jewish people who were not supposed to have access to the promises and the covenant relationship of God. And God says, listen, or, or Paul says, listen, he, through God, he says, you are part of God's family. You're born into his spirit. We, in, in, in the other place, he says, we're all different parts, but together we become one family, one bride. And so I say tonight, you might be alone watching this right now. You might be sitting all by yourself. Today might have been a difficult day for you. If you're following social distancing, you no doubt, if you're living alone, if you're, if you're a widow, if you're divorced, if you don't have children living in the home, there could be, there could be really some things that you're struggling with, that you're, you're, you're feeling more alone than even people who are social distancing with family in the home. And so you might, you might have had a bad day, a bad week, and, and you're feeling all by yourself, and you're watching this by yourself. I want you to know you're not alone. Now, certainly God is with you, and that's what you expect me to say. But I'm not talking about just God. Absolutely, God's with you. But when you have followed God's plan for your salvation, you've been born into a, a church family. I'm not just talking about God, but you're born. You're, you're not a stranger. You're not a foreigner. You've been fitly framed into this body and bride of Christ, and we are all members of this family. We're all members of this family. And that's why, too, we do our online small groups because even when you say, well, I don't need that or I don't think they care, no, people do care about you. And that's why I say even if you're, if you're, if, even if you're not a member of Refuge and you just want to get into a weekly godly discussion, you just go to our website and you can sign up for a, an online small group where people meet weekly for about 45 minutes to an hour. We need that. We need that interaction and you might say, well, no, I don't. I, and that's where you and I would just, would just kindly disagree because we all need that. We're members of a family. And just as our bloodline determines our physical family members, you can test your blood. You find out what blood type you are. You can find out about your, your family. Just as bloodline determines our physical family members, bloodline also determines our spiritual family members. What we just remembered and celebrated last Friday was Good Friday, and that was that Jesus Christ, that God manifest in flesh, died on a cross, and he shed blood so that when a person would repent of their sins and they would be born into a, a body through water baptism in Jesus' name and spirit infilling with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, that, they, that we're born into a family because of the blood that was shed. It's not because of the church covenant or bylaws or, or, or read this prayer. Or you need to sign this affirmation statement to be a part of that. That's fine. Churches have structure and, 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 and they need rules and regulations. But, but the blood, the blood is what makes us being a part of a body. That's what makes it possible. And so just as blood determines physical family, blood also determines spiritual family. And so, if you're feeling alone, know that you are a part of a large and vibrant family who loves you very much. You're not alone. And to the church of the living God, as I close this message up tonight, what an opportunity that we have right now to be a light to homes who are trying to navigate brokenness, hurt, divorce, loss, death. The challenge of navigating what being a blended family is going to look like.
maybe things that you've never had to experience. Let us have the compassion of Jesus Christ. That even when someone is making choices that we don't necessarily agree with, that they know that they can still be a member of a family. And that even when things are happening in your life and you're trying to navigate through all these things, I'm not saying every one of those things are sin, hurt, brokenness, all those things. Know that you have a family that you're a part of, that even when you feel alone, God is not the only one with you. But there's a church family that will walk with you and love you and listen. And so you don't have to look far to minister to people experiencing these things. I'm specifically speaking to Refuge Church members. They're right in your own church. We have a good-sized church, and there are people here who are dealing with brokenness, hurt, divorce, loss, death, and what being a blended family looks like. So we can minister with love, compassion, hope, and patience. Be the family to the person who is alone. Be the support to the person who is struggling. Don't only look at those with you in your physical bloodline, but know that through the spirit of adoption, God has called us to be his very own sons and daughters. That's what scripture tells us. And so who in your life right now could you maybe reach out to? Make a phone call to let someone know that you will be an ear to listen. That you will be someone who they can always call on. And that uh, don't just wait. Sometimes when someone's alone, they don't want, you say, well, you could have just called me. Well, someone doesn't feel comfortable with that. I think sometimes it's up to us as the church to make sure that we look after and love and care for people. And I need to do it myself too. But I want, I want to know, I want people to know. That it's not just bloodline physically that determines your family, but bloodline from that hill called Calvary that made a way for us all to be family and to be one. Many parts that make up one body and one bride. And so don't let the enemy make you feel like you're just alone and nobody cares about you tonight. You might have said, well, last Wednesday, you know, people spoke about kids and I don't have kids. My kids are grown and I don't have that family. And so I don't really have a place. Don't, 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 ever, don't ever think that. Not for Refuge Church and prayerfully for not for any church. If you don't have a church, again, find one. We all need a church. We all need to be a part of that family and that body. Jesus, God, I pray right now as people join me in prayer, watching this message, listening to this message, God. Lord, help us. Lord, I really believe that there's two sets of people here that we're praying about. One is the person, Lord, who is, fall, who is feeling completely alone, who is feeling like they're not really connected to anyone or anything, especially in these times of isolation, social distancing. Let them know that it's not just you with them, but there are a body of believers that they can be born into and connect with that will love them, care for them, look after them, pray for them, Jesus. And God, I also want to pray for the church body, people who are faithful and strong and committed, and they don't feel like they're alone, but help, help them to be more aware of the people who are dealing with the struggles of what 
maybe a, a, a typical family that used to be 60, 70 years ago, they're not experiencing that. Maybe they didn't grow up in that, and they're not experiencing that now. Lord, help us to be a light of hope, a light of compassion, Jesus says, to try and walk with them as they navigate the waters of some of the things that they have experienced and, and, and are experiencing, Lord. And so, Jesus, help us to be more aware today than ever before of, of a hurting and a broken world that could really use someone to walk alongside of them and to love them, to listen, to pray with them. Lord Jesus, help us to be the church. In your name we pray. Amen.